0: My name is Mark Griffith, I'm co-host, filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray, who can't be with us today, but that's okay, we'll carry on without him. I've got two guests in the studios with us. We're going to have a great show for you. But this show is sponsored by and presented by Mortgage Investors Group, your home loan solutions for the past 27 years. But um, and before we get started, let me tell you how you can plug in the housinghour.com. That's our mothership. That's where the treasure trove of information is located. So if you want to go to past interviews, especially with one of our guests who is a repeat offender, I, I mean a repeat guest, um, uh, you can go into there, tap into the show. You, there's a great search bar you can find out everything that you want to know. Plus, um, we have a lot of articles and blogs that have posted up onto the, uh, Facebook, uh, on our, on our website there. So check that out. Plus I put an ebook up there and that's free download. And I've got about 9,000 downloads on that. So a lot of good information is available at thehousinghour.com. also on Facebook slash the Housing hour. That's good. If you're a social media hound dog, like a, I know a lot of folks are also on Twitter, at the housing hour so that's how you can plug in with us and we're on all the other social platforms but first let's talk about uh, our guests in studio with us we have two of my old friends from west high school rebel days that's the local Knoxville High School here in town and I'm happy to have him but one is like I said he's he's a repeated guest here been with us we've done science talks and things like that but Professor Dr. Michael Leon Simpson welcome.
1: Hi it's great to be here Mark I'm glad you could get both of your friends in the studio. (laughs) I
0: had to widen the door (laughs) at least heightened it because the the other one is a kind of a tall man (laughs) but uh, anyway um, Mike tell us about you have a lot of different hats that you wear in the science industry. Tell us what
1: they are. Sure. So I am have a joint appointment between the Oak Ridge National Laboratory and the University of Tennessee. At the University of Tennessee, I'm part of what's called the Bredesen Center, which is an interdisciplinary PhD program in energy science and engineering. And at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, I'm the director of the Joint Institute for Biological Sciences. And we work in all kinds of interesting things, like what we're about to get into now is what's called the Microbiome Initiative, Microbiome. Um, Microbiome, yeah. So um, very short, you know, very quick, you know, you're actually more bacteria than you are human. Well, Uh, thank you. And not just you, but but you've always said that about (laughs) me, but even the other people (laughs) are too. And uh, if you didn't have all those bacteria, you couldn't live. You couldn't digest your food. Right. You're, you would have all kinds of health issues. Well, that's why enough.
0: antibiotics is always, I've been told, because it knocks out good bacteria. Sure. And I thought good bacteria. Right.
1: And a lot, of, a lot of diseases, you know, diabetes and cancer and obesity and things like that are basically caused by imbalances in the microbiome. And uh, so what, what we know is the microbiome exists, but we actually don't know a whole lot about How it's constituted, how it forms, how does it get into unhealthy states, how do you get it back into healthy states. And this isn't just human health, but it's things like growing, uh, you know, crops for biofuels. is heavily influenced by the microbiome that's associated with the plants. Uh, All kinds of environmental sorts of things, pollution remediation, things like that are controlled by the microbiome. You do all that? So we're, we're, yeah, well, we're starting an initiative where, where we're going to work heavily in that area and try to, you know, try to make some real headway in understanding the microbiome.
0: See, my father always told me that it's, uh, to be successful in life, you have to have friends that are smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you're, he you're, didn't set the bar very high <laughs> for you, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so uh, and so. Oh, wow. I, 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 with that, I'm going to look to my other friend. Your other friend. <laughs> in, in studio with us. The one it, you called old earlier. <laughs> <laughs> my old friend. My old friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, R.L. Mitchell, he's a native Knoxvillian and a Wolf for life. But he's living in Alabama, so, you know, hey. Behind enemy lines at the yeah. moment. Yeah, that's that's right. But he is, uh, we bring him to the discussion because these two guys are really smart. And so when I talk to him, especially on Facebook, I get a lot of good insight and a lot of good information. But um, R.L. is also uh, very knowledgeable in the solar energy field. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently, um, he's got a company called Energy Pro, and that's energyproconsulting.com. That's in Alabama, I guess. So, but you you travel in Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. Is that pretty much
2: correct? That's, that's correct. Um, I'm sure I would look at other opportunities uh, elsewhere. But Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, mostly Tennessee and Georgia, where the um, solar climate is a lot better. We have uh, TVA and Georgia Power there offering a lot of uh, good things for solar.
0: Well, that's excellent. So that's going to be kind of our topic. But we're first going to start off with talking about the new, new economy, because uh, that's something that's been uh, discussed uh, quite often in this uh, since, I guess, post-Great Recession, the GR. And uh, we're in a different environment. But one of the things <clears throat> Dr. Simpson had sent me, a, a, an article that I read, and I, I love this quote, because it's from an economist uh, who was uh, John Maynard Keynes. Keynes um, uh, who is Keynesian economics if you're familiar with that but he he wrote something and it's, it's probably a good one to start off the conversation with he wrote a, a an article in 1930 and it was called the economic Possibilities for our grandchildren in this he concluded that the advance of with the advancement of technology it's going to bring prosperity because of that which we know to be true there would be a little need though he says for people to work in the future. The primary concern instead might be the difficulty of finding an adequate quantity of fulfilling leisure activities. Mm -hmm. That was his prediction in 1930. Mike, Hearing that from our own Keynesian economics man mm-hmm. from uh, Tony Spiva's class oh, right. of uh, economics, yeah, we're every, talking Keynesian, Keynesian economics. economics. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think about that statement from him?
1: Well, it's as so many of the things he had to say. I mean, it was uh, it was you know it's it quite the accurate prediction, right? I mean. Um, I think that's certainly one of the issues now. I don't have
0: an abundance of leisure time right now, though.
1: Yeah, well, so, um, but, you know, the article that kind of started this discussion, The New New Economy, that was in Vox Magazine that I think we all three read and looked at, um, it talked about the fact that a lot of our work activities now actually in a lot of ways are our leisure activities. They're the things that keep us... You know mentally engaged and what we're you're working right now yes here at this at this station yes. having this discussion but this is very much leisure and you know like an engaging activity yes you it know, is for you it's and, stimulating and so we've gone from kind of drudgery back-breaking kinds of work to work that that engages us uh, in in ways that that is more fulfilling you know over time and so that's that's been a very good thing i think uh, you know, just to throw a statistic at you that, that I looked up and found fascinating was is in the 18, sometime in the mid 1800s, about 98% of our effort went into just making enough food to feed everybody. Mm. So 98% of the people were involved in somehow producing and distributing cooking food. For their families, probably. Right, for, for their families and for the, you know, you know, Community. the trade and for the rest of the country now. Mm. And so then 2% of the, of, of the activity was for everything else. Oh, now that's flipped. 2% of our activities go into producing enough food to keep us going and 98% of our activities go into all of these other things. Now when this happened in the 1800s, you know, so as as it started happening with the with the Morrill Act and, you know, the the foundation of the um, um you know, the land-grant institutions and these big advances in agriculture which made agriculture many times more efficient, then what happened was is you started losing all of these agriculture and food jobs. But the Industrial Revolution came around and that's that's where those people moved, right? They moved to the factories, they moved to the cities. You know, now what we're starting to see is is as we see sort of the shift away from manufacturing and you know, this sort of shift into service jobs and things just don't take as many people. You walk into a factory now and there's not nearly as many people in a factory as there used to be. Right. The to me the fascinating question is is what's going to be the industrial revolution of this time so that we can shift those people from what they used to do to what they're going to do in the future. Right. What's the next cycle? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think your industry, the energy industry, perhaps is one of the big hopes out there, right? That that could be where a lot of innovation takes place and we could get a lot of people involved in that industry.
2: I think so, and um, I had the thought the other day, I took a tour of, uh, one, of the nat- the, one of the state parks in Alabama, and they had a, a museum for the, uh, the CCC, the Civilian Corps uh, group that uh, Roosevelt started, and those guys were basically put to work when the economy was down, you know, mm-hmm. during the Depression, but I can almost make a, a connection with what um, the current administration has done with trying to put workers into the energy field. You know, uh, we were at a time when unemployment was very high. Right. Where do you put these people to work? Possibly um, installing solar panels. Right. Right.
0: There was a big push in that. That was probably 2008, 2009, something right. like that. Right. There was a huge push. So, uh, so this 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 new new economy that we're talking about, um, uh, have we realized the uh, the full effects of what he uh, Keynesian was talking about? Do you feel that we've self actualized that yet?
1: No, no. I mean, we th- that hasn't come to full fruition. I think if in his quote he talked about maybe only requiring just a few hours a yeah. week of work, correct? And then you know, so I don't. We're obviously not there yet, right?
0: But there's something interesting he pointed out, mm-hmm. and this is in 1930. Re- remember, mm-hmm. post World War One, mm-hmm. right? He said that he drew this conclusion assuming two things: mm-hmm. one is that there is no important wars and that there's, uh, there's no significant increase in the population. Right. So well, nine right. years later, we, you know, 1940, yeah. 39, it starts the mm-hmm. Blitzkrieg, uh, we have a significant war, mm-hmm. and post-World War II, we have a significant. We have a baby boom. <laughs> baby boom. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think this guy is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So uh, how does that mm-hmm. impact? Does that really impact us, the baby boom? Did that really set us back? I mean, right post baby boom, we go through the long boom, right? The uh, the golden age of capitalism. How does that mm. how does that bring us to here?
2: But that was another one of the cycles. You know, the fact that you had the baby boom, so now we need industry and services to provide for those people. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of the cycle that happens when those things happen in history. You'll see the cycle with uh, working and economy change to fit whatever is happening at the time.
0: But, you know, what's fascinating in in, in this article, and I'll post this article up on our website at thehousinghour.com after the show, and we post everything, but um, the significant things that you don't think about, the improvement in our lives in the workplace is the significant decrease in deaths deaths that have related to work.
1: Right. That was the big point of that Vox. One of the points of that Vox magazine article was about how much safer it's gotten to work. And death was... uh, You know sort of a regular occurrence in the workplace you know 100 years ago certainly 200 years ago and now it's gotten to be very very rare right it's gotten to the point that when it happens it's the front page of the paper and it's the the big the big news story so certainly there's been huge you know increase in our ability to work safely and to be safe at work and to to expect we're going to go home at the end of the day and and be with our families so that's certainly one of the big. the, the big environment right.
0: uh, environment it within the workplace has improved through government True. agencies we don't have you know if there's something that's toxic within mm-hmm. the work environment we do a good job of controlling that so we don't go home dying of those diseases
1: right yeah so even so, so even you're, you're talking about even long-term not just short-term having Correct. a big accident yeah like something long, dropping on long-term, you. long-term the quality of your life lung and the, lung yeah. infection so with, with the advent of OSHA yes exists. but I did notice that, you know, they put on that graph, the decrease in the death rate, and they had pre-OSHA and post-OSHA, and it, it certainly continued down post-OSHA, but it was hard to tell if it continued down at a steeper rate than the yeah. rate it was already I on. Didn't,
0: I didn't notice that at Yeah. High. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh so we got this great discussion going two of my buddies are in from west high school rl mitchell and dr simpson and on the other side of the break we're going to continue the conversation with the future of transportation so uh keep it uh tune in right here and we'll see you on the other side of the break The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Perfect. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Mark Griffith, co-host, filling in for the very verbal Kevin Ray, who can't be with us today. But uh, thank you for joining us back. And we got two guests in the studio, Dr. Simpson and R.L. Mitchell, two smartest men I know. And uh, they join us to help us out with this conversation. And uh, just before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the workplace and the, uh, and the security of it and how things have improved and keep, uh, keep us safe in the work environment. And R.L. had a point uh, about how technology is used in other things other than, like, manufacturing work plans. What was that, R.L.? Show her that.
2: Well, please. sure, I just made the comment that uh, we've become smarter and technology is really working out there. We no longer play football in leather helmets or race cars in leather helmets. So uh, even though oh by
0: the way you are like a major sports car racer aren't absolutely, you absolutely absolutely that is awesome I may have to put, post some of those pictures Do you have any video of you going around the track
2: I uh, have some video not going completely around but uh, halfway, around, so. <laughs> halfway around well so so you wear a full uh, protection gear You know no longer
0: leather helmets
2: uh, Right right uh, We have to wear um, SFI approved That's one of the safety foundation uh, that uh, Mandate uh, and and check all the safety equipment to make sure it is uh, up to spec. We have to wear a Hans device. Oh, okay. So um, post um, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death, uh, right. that's become uh, all standard. The you have to have to do that. A fire suit, of course then the, the vehicle has to be equipped with a roll cage that uh, will protect you in case of uh, an accident. And, you know, speaking of
0: transportation, cars and racing and, and all that type, the future of transportation is is changing in this new, new economy. Um, so what are the, I mean, one of the big things up there is uh, I say, and Google started it, is this self-driving vehicle, which I don't particularly understand, but um, Mike, unwrap that for us.
1: Yeah, sure. So, the, so there's actually sort of uh, several levels of automation of driving, right? So in uh, a lot of these levels are already available, right? So there's things that assist you, right? So you already know that there's things that will parallel park your car for you. You just sit there and let yeah. that happen. There are things that will monitor the blind spots right. for you and warn you about that. There are things that will detect that you're drifting out of your lane and push you back in your lanes. Things that detect that there's something stopped in front of you and will slam on your brakes, That's right. So there's all of these sort of assist sort of things that are already available, and then all the way the other end of the spectrum, you know, so one end of the spectrum is just the regular oh you drive your car, you do everything yourself. Then you've got these assist sort of things that are in the middle, and then all the way to the other end, there's the fully automated vehicle which uses you know radar and other sort of uh, detection and sensing. Ultrasonic sound. Ultrasonic sound built-in maps. Which is one of the big worries, right? By the way, because we all love Google Maps, but I think we've all found a t- found a time when Google Maps uh, yeah. kind of drew, you know, took us astray, right? Right. So, but you know, if you integrate all of this together, then you're able to have a fully uh, self driving car where the where the driver is not or the, the passenger's not playing any role whatsoever in what's going it's on.
2: RL, I had an idea 25 years ago when I was doing a lot of driving uh, across the southeast that. If I were able to put something in those little markers on the lanes, uh, the little reflective markers. Yes. If I were able to put something in there and then the car could detect what was in there. And at the time, the only thing came to my mind was uh, something radioactive. Mm -hmm. But if I could put something in those little markers, then my car could follow those. Mm -hmm. I never followed up on that, but it looks like (laughs) it might have been a good idea at the moment. Maybe not radioactive. Well,
0: how are they going to do it in the future? Keep those cars, you know, on the course. Is it, I mean, is it? The well, satellite is, GPS that accurate? Well, it, uh, satellite GPS
2: is only accurate down to 50 feet, mm-hmm. but it is getting better. Well, how um, are they going
0: to do the self-driving?
2: Well, the self-driving has a lot to do with, like Mike said, the, uh, the radar. They use ultrasonic sound, and that's the way most vehicles are parked and unparked these days. I demonstrate uh, some of these procedures for Mercedes. Uh, as a race car driver, I also work a little bit with uh, driving instructing. Cool. And uh, Mercedes has several different... Um, Systems then they all work off the ABS system basically, but they have a distronic system um, And a CPA plus which is uh, what Mike talked about they will follow in the lane if they notice you're drifting They'll even give you a little signal that say ding 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 you're you're drifting and part of it is uh, we have a lot of problem with Drivers who are fatigued, right? You know we hear about drunk driving, but truck really, drivers, right? There are really as many or more people uh, injured in, in fatigue driving accidents So um, the vehicles can detect, if you haven't touched a control, you haven't turned on the radio, changed the station in an hour, it'll give you a little signal into the display saying, do you need a break? Think of the drunk drivers that it could keep off the road or just drive you home
1: distracted uh, to me one of the biggest distracted. issues i've noticed lately yes. is there's an awful lot of distracted driving goes if on. if you drive yeah, and absolutely. you
0: look to your right or your left you will see people are on their cell phones all the time they're
1: they're poking on they're not talking on no themselves no they're, they're poking, poking on, on them yeah. right. i tried to just yeah. throw it on the
0: floor my yeah. daughter says she tosses it into the back seat so yeah. she's not tempted mm-hmm. i don't know if she's telling me the truth yeah but, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just yeah. probably better you believe her. Yeah, right i don't <laughs> yeah. believe this so yeah
2: so if you see a vehicle that has little round buttons on its bumpers yeah that's the ultrasonic um, uh, sending units that will send out sound waves and measure them back. And and they're used to park the cars, unpark the cars, but also if you get too close to a car, it will apply the brakes for you. That's awesome. Um, it'll keep you off those barriers. And then they have uh, some functions that will also let you follow a car. Your vehicle will actually follow the vehicle in front of you wow. and keep a safe distance. So it's coming. Uh, the autonomous car, is maybe a little hard to swallow for, uh, for some folks, but it'll be there.
0: But, uh, well, let's, let's look. I, I know that there's a lot of other things we could talk about that's self-driving. Um, but um, as far as the future of this transportation with the vehicle, the electrification of the vehicle, mm-hmm. instead of getting away from the gas, the battery power. How mm-hmm. are we coming on the, the Tesla side of battery storage Energy, How's that going?
1: Well, Tesla themselves had some big news recently, right? You know, so they, they you know, announced this model of car, which is actually within range of an average buyer, $35,000, um, you know, uh, fully electric vehicle. And I believe they got something like 200,000 orders, like almost immediately. Wow. Which is just remarkable, right? It's a car that's not going to be available until 2018, I think. Are the batteries right. good? It, it was a
2: refundable $1,000 deposit. Right. But
1: still... You oh, know, yeah. You lots of interest, definitely. Right.
2: Well, a $35,000 car that yeah. uh, basically has the same engine as the current Tesla, which mm. has great performance, and the battery technology continues to improve. Right. We're still looking at uh, lithium batteries, but uh, they're they're uh, working on alternatives and making those even, even better. Tesla, Elon Musk is building the, the gigawatt factory in Nevada, which is going to... Uh, what is it five billion dollar investment that right. uh, is going to be basically devoted to building batteries
0: sure. so it, i take it that the battery that's are in these cars they are being depleted as you use them but there's no there's no like the wheels turning a gear to recharge the battery continuously. so you have this continuous thing so it requires you at some point to stop and recharge
1: well they they use regenerative braking and things like that but you got to understand that 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 just recover some of the energy you would have lost. but right. you know if you're moving the car you're gonna, you're going to be draining the energy out of the car out of the battery as you go. so then they have to be plugged in to be recharged. And so these, these batteries are made to be deep discharge batteries so that means that you know that you can cycle them many times all the way down and charge them back up. But they they do age right? and to the point where they don't become really usable for transportation anymore. But then they still have a lot of use potentially, I guess, in storing like solar energy, for example, and things like that. So I think one of the – there's a lot of companies that are building up around the idea of of taking batteries through their whole life cycle. You know, at the top of the food chain, they would be in these automotive applications and then they would come out of the automotive applications and they would go, you know, on further down the chain until – you know, until finally they got to the end of their life and you recycled the materials. Right.
2: Well, part of what they're looking at doing is using those batteries. Now, in, in a vehicle, the battery gets used a lot. But uh, for a, a home battery, like the Tesla Powerwall, one of the things they're looking for the future is that battery doesn't do anything until nighttime when you may draw, draw power out of it. They're looking at ways, let's use the battery during the day for something else. Mm-hmm. So don't just use it um, at that absolute moment when, when you need it. Now... The Tesla Powerwall has um, had some scrutiny. Uh, The new version, by the way, version two, is supposed to be out July or August of this year. The 10 kilowatt Powerwall is already off the market.
0: Well, and when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to dive into that because we're talking about batteries from cars. Now let's integrate that with the home and see what we can do as far as smart grid type use of technology. On the other side, The Housing Hour, we uh, will we'll be back right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Not on these roads, especially Mississippi. You hmm. drive 55, you'll get run over, I'm telling you. <laughs> but, a Tesla. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is Mark Griffith with the Housing Hour co-host, filling in for Kevin Ray, who can't be with us today. But I've got two great guests, Dr. Simpson from ORNL and a professor at the University of Tennessee, and R.L. Mitchell, um, just an energy expert from, uh, he's, uh, solar and a whole lot more. And plus he's a race car driver, which is pretty cool. Just so as cool. He yeah. does just, not drive. He, he, win,
1: he wins on the cool factor. Doesn't on the he? cool factor. Yeah. You know, there is
2: a race series now of just electric cars, just electric, just electric wow. cars. Are you going to do that? Um, I haven't really, I can't see do you that doing, doing, I, I think got, the cool I, factor would go down if you're an well, electric car- I got one of those for
1: Christmas one <laughs> year. <was> kind of <laughs>
2: The, the, the downside, the, exactly. the uncool factor is they don't make the, the cool noises. You know, no, no. People miss those noises. Yeah, yeah. it's just
0: really quiet just when the quiet. whole crew goes around. we well, to have to pipe in some NASCAR sounds, I guess, mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, but but let's do this. So we started talking about the batteries and, and this energy and storage of energy. You mentioned Powerwall, uh, this Tesla thing. Explain to everybody what the Powerwall is and, and what it's about.
2: Okay, it's been right at a year ago when Tesla announced the, the power wall and started taking orders for it. They had uh, two versions, a 7.5 kilowatt hour version and a 10 kilowatt hour version. The um, Though it wasn't quite explained that well in the media, the 10 kilowatt hour version was simply a backup power, didn't have anything to do with solar, uh, any other alternative energy source. It was just if you had a storm at your house versus having a Cranked up uh, diesel generator. You had the power wall, and it right. would provide you power till the power came back on. Um, the 7.5 kilowatt hour version was intended to be used with some sort of alternative energy source, possibly the you know solar panels, but that required an inverter. So the initial price of three thousand dollars for the power wall, while it sounded really cool, and it got a lot of people thinking, actually. Well, it helped the solar industry, but it slowed a lot of people that were thinking about putting solar on their house because they say, well, I'm going to wait for the power wall.
0: Well, let's talk about that because renewable energy is huge. Even though prices of gas have come down, uh, renewable is still on the forefront. And we know that the uh, government has expanded the tax um, uh, credits for solar panels through We've 2000 extended, yes. for five more years something like that till 2019 2020
2: and oh, then 2020. you see some uh, reductions over time so uh, and that the, could be changed right the 30% will just end then and things will, will ramp down a bit.
0: well how would tell us about the cost uh, and the savings what, what's the cost of installing these solar pa- panels and what type of panels are they typically are they, um, the
2: photo. What do they call photovoltaic?
0: I couldn't. I, oh, I see okay. the word. I can't say it. <laughs> um,
2: you know, an average home is probably going to be um, around uh, twenty-five thousand to thirty thousand dollars uh, retail mm-hmm. range. And then you have the thirty percent federal tax credit. If you're lucky enough to live in the TVA um, uh, area, you can get another thousand dollar credit right. uh, from That's them. And uh, if you agree to. To uh, enter their program, they'll even pay you two cents more per kilowatt hour that you produce versus what you would pay.
0: Meaning, if you're not using theirs, but sell it back to them, is that what you're? Sp-
2: right. It's um, it's an interesting way, what way they've done to incentivize uh, you, button, putting solar on your home. Right. They um, they have to have so much renewable energy in their in their portfolio. Gotcha. So you put you pay to put solar on your home and then enter their program all the energy you produce goes back to the grid back to TVA you still buy power from them but everything you produced goes into the big pile of now it's a considered a renewable energy source oh, I for see. them um, but you get a you get some benefit because they give you that $1000 to help pay for permits and offset some costs
0: so so uh, mike when when this hits full-fledged and we come up with a battery this Tesla battery this power wall that now can be used to we can create and generate power from these electrical panel or solar panels mm-hmm. and we can store this is that kind of the end game goal that we can create it during the, the day and store it and use it at night is that the goal
1: yeah I well it's part of the goal right mm-hmm. I think I think you're gonna see kind of a uh, what do they call it the all of the above you know, sort of strategy here. So, uh, Rick Smalley, who won the Nobel Prize for what's called buckyballs, um, and he's the late Rick Smalley, I should say, he wrote this great article about, you know, what if everybody had a 10 kilowatt hour storage system that's, that you know was sitting on a pad outside their house the way a heat pump sits on a pad outside their house right now. And then there were all these different ways that energy entered the grid and, every house had this 10 kilowatt hour of storage and it stored up when there was excess energy on the grid and let it out when there was, you know, when there was a need to do it, you could solve a lot of problems, right? You know, that way. So I, I think that, you know, instead of saying, Oh, it's, it's going to be solar, it's going to be wind, it's going to be this, there's going to be all kinds of distributed. And I use that word very, I think that's a very important word right now. We have very centralized power generation, right? I think you're going to see a whole lot more distributed power generation of all kinds of modes, including solar and wind. When's
0: that gonna be common and typical, you think, in your estimation?
1: Uh, You're gonna see it slowly grow in over the next few decades would be my... Well, I
2: I think that that will happen, but I think there's also a movement to keep um, the grid centralized, at least in well-developed countries like ours. Grid centralized, yes. Uh, but the, the, but power, the
1: generation's not necessarily going to be so centralized. Well, the,
2: the power companies are getting on board with renewable energy, though. Right. though they are putting in solar farms and, mm-hmm. and generating uh, their own power that way because they see they see the benefit in it. They see the cost, the economics in it.
0: Well, you mm-hmm. talked about the bio uh, type of technology that mm-hmm. you're working on, uh, that uh, chert machine or chit machine. I can't remember what it is, but it's a biomass Right. Machines that create, I mean, there's just so many
1: different alternative sources of sawgrass or something. Right. Well, um, yeah, so. uh this is basically any kind of biomass to hydrogen. Biomass to hydrogen. Or al- algae that. to biomass. No, this was uh, this was just any kind of biomass, right? So, so if, in fact, I think they did the Wampler plant, right? Yes, so that's They, basi- they basically exactly. took sort of what was left over at the slaughterhouse. Yeah. I know the the, mm-hmm.
0: the fellow that did a yeah. Hari and,
1: and it big was big solar um, installation there too. So I mean. it was pyrolysis, right? It's, yes. Uh, so you do pyrolysis of the biomass, and you end up with hydrogen as a uh, as a as a byproduct fascinating and, they, and then they burn the hydrogen for energy so
0: it's really on the future but the, the big thing because uh, RL one of the things that uh, Dr. Simpson's been part of our program here uh, on and off for probably five years now since we started I've had him on and one of the things that he start early talking about is if we can capture and store on the grid in some fashion store the energy um, we're going to be so far better off at some point you know moving mm-hmm. forward Tesla is is really reached or getting to that point, Mike. Have you said
2: that they're close to accomplishing
1: this? Yeah, I think RL would know this better
2: than well, me. But they they are working on uh, the Gigafactory in, in Nevada. They are working on in industrial and uh, uh, large scale storage batteries as well as as for their cars and for your home.
0: It's going to be viable.
2: To yeah, you. the the home the home thing is is. The cool factor like we spoke about earlier, but they're going to be uh, be working on bigger and bigger things. And as the technology improves and increases, that's just going to get, get bigger. You know, it just makes sense. If you can generate something right now we've got power plants generating power and if it doesn't all get used you know it's just that's goes right to waste. it's just lost
0: one of the things also you sent me an article and i read it uh, being in the the mortgage business the lending business the appraisal of the property that had these solar panels on it and i was interested and happy to find out that in some parts of the uh, area of the country they are actually uh taking into consideration and in valuing the uh panels in in
2: homes Absolutely. Uh, so that's you know,
0: going on, but I have to say, in in this area now, it's not being considered as part of the value, but that will be changing.
2: Yeah, the uh, the appraisers aren't considering at this point, but
0: it's not common and typical. I, you know, I, I have appraisers. the
2: question uh, the question a lot. If I if I put a twenty five thousand dollars system on a home, what does it do to my home value? And especially yes. in um, in the folks who have homeowners associations and those things, those homeowners associations want to know that the. Um, the studies have shown, and all these are you know, Arizona, California, where they've had solar the longest. They've shown if you do that install, uh, put $20,000 uh, into your solar system, you're going to get it out. It's sort of like putting a new kitchen or bathroom or something in your home. And the way I tell people is if someone is looking to buy a home and the house down the street has the same you know, three-bedroom, two-bath as you do, but you have a solar energy system so your uh, utility bills are $40 a month, and down the street, theirs is 250. You know that can go a long way to the mortgage, right? So absolutely, it is does add value to your home.
1: You know, a related uh, point to that is is I just read this article that was talking that basically said solar installations are contagious. Mm-hmm. And so True. basically, what they said is is you take a neighborhood with no solar installations. If if one homeowner takes the dive suddenly you start getting more Joneses, right right. exactly and (laughs) and so keeping up with the joneses um, Uh, right
2: right. so another another quick jump i need to add to uh the the tesla and the power wall the battery storage mercedes uh ag Daimler, who manufactures the smart car has now started a program that they want to get into the quote power wall business so they produce, they're producing batteries for the smart cars already. They've now started a 2.5-kilowatt-hour battery for your home, and I'm sure we'll be seeing that in Germany very, very soon if it's not already.
0: That's awesome.
2: Um, we've got one more segment. It's a
0: short segment, but we'll be back after these messages with our two guests. Good talk. <music> Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state that nearly 14 years ago expansion started. And welcome we back into the, out the out Housing Hour. This is the Big Bang Theory going on right here, because I've got two of the big head guys here thinking uh, helping us with this well yeah you guys are smart you're heady you're heady no. nerds at least <laughs> it's, you're not highbrow you're not a highbrow is what we used to uh, <laughs> Us uh, underlings would say you guys are highbrows. You're not a highbrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk to us uh, in mm-hmm. normal words. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Indubitably. <laughs> Indub- <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? Shut her down. Shut her down. Good. Uh, but we thank you both for coming in. But uh, let's just wrap up these final thoughts. Um, Mike, let's start with you. Just what, what do you think?
1: Well, so you started off with a, with a quote from Keynes. Yes. So let me kind of end it with a quote from another economist, Milton Friedman. Oh. And his quote was, uh, predictions are hard, especially when they're about the future. And, uh, <laughs> so we've been talking about, I mean, we've been we've been making predictions, we've been making projections, and um, there's a, a, a big history of, of people swinging and missing, you know, with mm-hmm. predictions. But, I mean, some of these trends are going to have to play out some way, you know, and I think it's, you know, our energy issues, our transportation issues how this economy is going to evolve away from what it was to what it's going to be, Th- those are going to have to play out some way. And so even though predictions are hard about the future, I think it's it's in all of our best interest that somehow we come together and, and try to make this happen in a good way.
0: Excellent. R.L., your thoughts?
1: Well, I think coming together and making this happen in a good way
2: is is absolutely uh, uh what we need to do. Do we have
0: to sing Kumbaya? <laughs> <Yeah. time? laughs> well, it
2: wouldn't hurt, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're so uh, diametrically opposed on so many issues. So, you know, take solar. Solar shouldn't be a political issue. I I know people want to bring in subsidies and things like that, but saving money should be able to um grow should over any any party, you know. it bi- par- should be bipartisan. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> You know. well, I don't know. So I know one group likes to spin, spin, spin. <laughs> so um, we do have to come together, and we have to look at it as uh, what is going to be best for us and our future generations. Uh, let's work together. Let's don't uh, keep fighting each other on these things.
0: Well, you know, one of the things in the first segment we talked about was uh, the, the self-driving because that thing that fascinates me. Because you know, as I've a, seen you drive, I'm all right? for it. Too. <laughs>
1: Okay, all right. You're out of here. I'm, you know,
0: you're never
2: gonna. So this is the end of my five-year run. <laughs> you just blew it. Right no. Well, the that- self-driving for like like our transportation is the is the big thing. You know, are we gonna put um, a lot of people who are truck drivers out of yes. out of work? Yeah. Are we gonna now have folks instead of their dispatchers, they call them, they're gonna be like air traffic controllers? You're gonna, uh, you know, maybe that's the future. Is we're gonna see highways that are controlled by. By some major air
1: traffic controller. So system. this would
0: be not just for uh, residents or just regular people driving cars, but for commercial applications. Oh yeah,
1: that's probably the first place Absolutely. that would get used, right? Where you, so you truck about, drivers are replaced. So he brought up the the you know the long range trucking. So this is the place where probably the maps and things are the best. You know the interstate highway systems and things like that. And you could probably automate a lot of that, you know, sort of city to city, and then maybe have drivers take over. Is that good for our economy? I mean, we're talking about thousands and well, thousands that, yeah,
0: of. Thousands. That's, that's a
2: really tough question, right? I mean, at some a, point, those yeah. people will have to transition into other positions. Right. You got to meet my brother-in-law; he's yeah. <laughs> a truck driver. <laughs> but, but like Mike said, you know, you're going to have to have the driver at some point. Right. So, um, you know, maybe when you get really close, um, he'll have to take over and, and do the final procedure. But, hmm. right. Well, I, so
1: I, we need we need to so you know another we have one to these, be cautious. Another one of these Vox magazine articles was uh, was basically saying what this economy needs right now is more te- more companies like Tesla because if you look at the other kinds of big companies, you know, the Googles yeah, you know, Facebooks and things like that, they generate lots of income, they don't generate lots of jobs. Right. But something like Tesla with the Gigafactory that generates both a lot of income and a lot of jobs. We need more of that. Yeah. to figure out um, what... The- One
2: quick thing on Tesla. Uh, Last week, Iowa City, Iowa, a Tesla parked itself into the rear of a flatbed truck. Oh, very nice. After the driver left, the driver parked the car, left 30 minutes later, comes back, and it's under a truck. So autonomous cars are not quite here yet they have have some work they have a way to go (laughs) we have some work to
0: do but thank you for joining us this has been a great discussion thank you dr simpson and rl mitchell for your all's insights and your brilliance i appreciate that join us next time on the housing hour check out the housing this is mark griffiths saying see you next time That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.